1: Number two, D, with another episode of On Ramping with D. So it's been a little while since we on ramped anyone, um, but I have more time now. So I thought I'd give it another shot. And so if you're unfamiliar with On Ramping with D, if you subscribe since uh, this is the show. so I got a little curious last year. I thought to myself, what would it have been like for the person on the street watching people ride around in automobiles when they were just sold that the bicycle was as good as things were gonna get and i wanted to know the perspective of that person and how they were thinking and then so i came up with the idea of on ramping with d and here we are so you heard that awesome music by the absurdist and now we're gonna jump right in so today i have a very close friend slash brother slash i'm gonna let him tell the story of how we know each other it was amazing but uh, I'm here with Mr. Paul Spadone, and I'm going to give him the opportunity now to introduce himself a little bit, and then we could talk a little bit how we know each other, and we'll get into the on-ramping. So what's going
0: on, D? Um, what's up, Paul? My, name's, my name is Paul <laughs> Spadone. As D said, um, we got one hell of a history together. Um, basically, going back seven years now, spending uh, our days – rolling around in the mud getting our asses kicked day after day uh in air force rotc as we're going through a basically the one of the tougher divisions if you will of of air force rtc which was getting into their arnie's division uh and we were the whiskey warthogs and <laughs> and we were pretty much the badasses of our time i like to think yeah um, we but there was a a good team of us, though. That basically was—I like to consider it was like a fraternity for the Air Force ROTC. Basically, is what we went through, and we went through about a semester long of uh, uh, of hell. I guess you could say the least. So, so yeah, that's how I know D.
1: So yeah, so what's going on, man? <laughs> Not much, man. It's been a while. We went through like—I'd like to call it like a fraternity with a shit ton of physical training. And push-ups, just like like hundreds of push-ups. And just miles and miles and miles we ran. It was a lot of fun, though. We learned a lot.
0: I I just remember getting late-night fucking phone calls. And, hey, you got to get your ass over here. And we're going to some random person's garage. And it's dark and shady. And (laughs) we all have to stand in there and fucking do arm circles (laughs) And team push-ups, you know, sticking your legs on the guys behind you shoulders and making making a gigantic, pu- you know, team push-up and just doing that for hours on end. Yeah. Uh, so so <laughs> that that was uh, that was some fun times. Looking back, it, it's it's cool to look at or think about, but definitely sucked at the
1: time. It was character building, man. I remember sometimes character- we get through with like a practice and we just sit on couches for like at least an hour, just like. Oh, boy, that was a long-ass practice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and we always dreaded, you know, basically every Saturday, right? You know, everybody would gather up over at, at my dorm or my apartment on campus, and we'd spend an hour or so getting prepared for that day's, you know, basically ass-kicking, and, and <laughs> lo and
1: behold, we thought we'd be prepared and never were. So. <laughs> yeah, never prepared. Yeah. So since then, it's been a long time you've been in, in the in the profession of engineering for a while you've had, you have kids you got family Man, we we're grown now we're grown people now <laughs>
0: absolutely yeah it's uh yeah it's it's changed a lot you know cuz uh you know basically I, you know I don't know if you remember but uh I found out I was color blind and couldn't go after the pilot slot that I was I was hoping for and so I went went the degree route and since then I've uh yeah, I've moved four times across the country. I've had two kids, you know, gotten married. Um, you know, the whole nine yard, doing the whole professional career thing as an engineer now. So it's it's been a whirlwind basically since the last time me and you were rolling around in the fucking mud <laughs> <laughs>
1: and sand and shit carried around thirty pound bullets. I don't even know what that thing was, but anyways, thirty what pound was the thing called? It was called Barney, right? Barney, or, Barney, Barney, yeah.
0: We called it Barney. Yeah. Barney,
1: the tank shell that we had to run with over our shoulders, over our heads. Anyways, yeah. um, enough about our history. This isn't a show about that, even though it's funny as hell. <laughs> We're not gonna talk about it. All right. Um, so, how did you like stumble into to crypto and learn about Bitcoin, and uh, what sparked you to reach out to me?
0: Yeah. So you know. I- I guess you hit it on the head when you when you said being a family man, um, you know that that kind of consumed your life and and focusing on my professional career. And so I I guess for the past what it it started really in two thousand seven eight ish somewhere around there. I, yeah, I Two thousand eight. Two thousand nine. Yeah. I guess I've been under a rock, and so uh, basically heard about it over the last year, and I think it's just really picked up a lot of pace. And in terms of in my professional career, if you will, it it now comes up in regular conversation when Back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, uh, never did, and so that's really how I stumbled upon it. Is uh, basically just coworkers or or different clients I work with, kind of bringing it up in social conversation, and you know me going, well, what the fuck is Bitcoin, you know, and what is this, and then you hear the whole, oh, it's black market money, and, and all this <laughs> other crazy shit, right? And so, really? so, so basically, you know, I I started doing a little research myself, and and it, it's just i mean it just blew up because uh, you know bitcoin was like oh I, c- I think i can understand this and then you start hearing about like what is it litecoin and you start hearing about um ethereum and you start hearing all about all these other ones i'm like well what the fuck's the difference between all these so so that's why i reached out to you is you know i, I see you all the time posting stuff on facebook that you know this guy seems like he's got his shit together so i'm here to to ask you questions and learn something if i can d so good deal
1: well, let's start by defining those three so people can know the difference between those three. So Bitcoin is was originally sold as peer-to-peer cash. Uh, right now, it's becoming more so like a store of value for um, our generation, this younger generation. It's becoming like digital gold, right? So it's this decentralized currency. And what that what that means is, um, is that not uh, any country issues it. So so like the US doesn't issue it, China doesn't issue it, no one issues it. An algorithm is actually running day in and day out and that algorithm is dispersing uh bitcoin at at about 12 and a half bitcoin every 10 minutes. And every 10 minutes a a miner or a group of miners which at this point it's more likely a group of miners are competing. They're basically They've got all these, um, what are they called, ASICs, which are basically microprocessors that are guessing random numbers at just an astronomical amount per second. And Mm -hmm. the first group of miners that guesses the right number that then grants a solution that is a small enough number wins new Bitcoin. And that's pretty much happening behind the scenes. And it just so happens it's the largest computer processing network that's ever existed on the planet. So that helps. And what they do is secure the network of transactions that are occurring, right? So let's take an example. Let's say in, cur- in today's current system, if I want to send money from me to you, I can't really do that electronically without it going through a bank or a credit union or some sort of transaction processor. There's lots of people in the middle making sure that I sent money to you. Right. With Bitcoin, the miners actually make sure that I sent money to you. Right. So it kind of takes out the middleman and the miners aren't like verifying anything. They're just verifying the fact that the transaction took place. And so all these transactions get bundled together inside what's called a block. And these blocks are chained together every 10 minutes, a new block is added to the blockchain. And that's about it. So Bitcoin, let's see. I always ask my guests on the main show, I'm like, if you could describe it in 10 words or less. For me, it's just decentralized digital gold is what I call it. Mm-hmm. Now, how that differs from Litecoin? Not very much, really. In fact, a lot of people like to use the analogy like Litecoin is silver and Bitcoin is gold. Because Litecoin... It literally has the same code base, except for the fact that the creator of Litecoin, a guy named Charlie Lee, said, you know what? Instead of every 10 minutes, I'm going to make it every two and a half minutes. And instead of 21 million Bitcoin, I'm going to make sure there are 84 million Litecoin.
0: Basically made it less rare.
1: Pretty much. It's like a Bitcoin-like client, if you want to think about it like that. That's a really bad analogy I just used. I'll get some backlash (laughs) for it, but I don't even care. So it's just, it's basically every two and a half minutes instead of every 10. It's a lot faster. Um, more tokens. So so more 84 million implies just a little bit more room to grow. Um, and it's just like I said, it's like it's a silver to Bitcoin's gold. Uh, there's really no difference between the two. And if you like Bitcoin, you probably like Litecoin and vice versa. Now, Ethereum is the network, but Ether is the token that gives you access to the network. And all this network is, is a giant supercomputer. That's what Ethereum is sold as. So as to where Bitcoin is like, I sent money to you, Ether adds a twist to it and says, I sent money to you under these conditionals. So Ether added in if-then statements to that game. Mm-hmm. So they call this they call this thing called a smart contract, right? Where I I send money somewhere if this happens, this happens, and that happens. So all of a sudden, you have a much more robust network that can do a little bit more than just send money from A to B. You can have contracts that say, you know send a little bit of money to this wallet if the wallet uh, drops less than whatever, or it, it really doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's, when it comes to that, it's about programming and whatever conditions you want to add to that contract. So
0: is that, is actually- that customizable by whoever is, is purchasing the, the ether or is that, is that built by whoever created the program?
1: Whoever created that program, whoever created that contract, right? So there's a very popular contract on Ether right now, or, uh, and it is a ERC-20. And it's that's just a fancy terminology for a bunch of functions grouped together that communicate a certain way on the Ether network, right? So you can actually create money <laughs> within the the Ethereum network. Because a contract has designated a section of the Ethereum network that is actually a certain type of money or currency or token that does certain things. So Ether is a lot more complex than Bitcoin and Litecoin. But honestly, throughout time, I think Ether is going to be the most popular just because of the things that it can do. I mean, it's essentially selling itself as a virtual smartphone and you can build these things called dApps that run on the Ethereum network. So you can build an app, make sure you have enough ether to pay for that application to run on the supercomputer, and then you throw it out on the Ethereum network, and now your app is running on the Ethereum network. So Hmm. it's, it's a very lofty idea, but imagine if all computers on the planet were working together on things. Like right now, the internet is basically just sending messages back and forth, but with Ethereum, they'd be able to actually work on things all at the same time, share resources, things of up that
0: to nature. the limitation of that supercomputer, right?
1: Absolutely. And where
0: where where is that supercomputer? And is it's, it a single owner? Is it a multiple owners?
1: That's a great question. It's every single computer that's attached to the Ethereum network.
0: So if I build one, basically, as I attach it to the network, basically, that just extended extends the reach of the ethereum network
1: absolutely and so different tokens have different utilities on the ethereum network right so usually if you're talking about computation you're worried about storage you're worried about memory um you're worried about computation right Uh, the the processor so different tokens allow you to access those different things on different people's computers so there's decentralized stores there's decentralized computation and you know if you can, uh, I don't know about you, but like whenever I open my task manager and I look at the resources that I'm using on my computer, like I'm never maxing out ever. Like sure, sure. You know, you're you're never maxing out your RAM. You're never maxing out your CPU. And just imagine all of the computers on the planet being able to to work on things at the same time. It's a pretty powerful idea. But in order to access that computer, you have to have ether, and you got to pay to access that computer so that's essentially the difference between those three
0: i gotcha okay well unless you want to roll in something else i do have questions on those go three for it. go for it yeah yeah so so when we talk about bitcoin right um you know i made the joke earlier which i know was a big joke for a long time you know the the called the, the the black market you know money um but but I guess the the question as I'm sure is still at least from you know you talk about at a corporate level or governmental level the question of security you know of this you know how how secure is is bitcoin um, and and given that some some individual which I for Bitcoin I know is to some degree somewhat unknown um, had a finite amount that's out there what what happens when those are all mined you know so what 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 what's the
1: future of this that's a that's a great question and and um, it's a it's an economics question actually so those miners aren't just paid in Bitcoin. So they're they're not just minting new Bitcoin. They also get paid things called transaction fees. So just like on Ether, where you have to pay to access that computation, with Bitcoin you have to pay for that security and pay for the miners to secure your transaction. Right? You being
0: the consumer. So if like if I yeah. want a Bitcoin, I have to pay for a transaction fee. Is that what you're saying?
1: If you so if you want a bitcoin now you have to go through like an exchange service. Like Coinbase is one that I refer a lot. Even though it's going through growing pains right now, it's really the best on ramp to getting bitcoin. And that's essentially like exchanging dollars for euro or dollars for for yen. That's just like a a currency exchange. Sure. Okay. But and I've heard when of that you're, Good, good deal. And, uh, well, good on Coinbase. They're going to be happy if they ever hear this. They're going to be like, yay. they heard about <laughs> us. Um, but when you're sending Bitcoin from one person to another on the Bitcoin network, you pay a transaction fee. Right? And it's uh, so many Satoshis. A uh, Satoshi is the smallest unit of Bitcoin. It's the millionth decimal point. Um, you pay so many Satoshis per so many... Uh, Bytes of data in that transaction. So the thing is, though, is if you want your transaction to be verified quicker and get into a block quicker, you can pay more money. Right. So the current state of Bitcoin is actually is at a crux because an update has occurred, but not a lot of the network is upgrading to that update. So the transaction fees from one Bitcoin user to another have now skyrocketed to a point where, if you're not a millionaire, it's really hard to send Bitcoin around. It's literally becoming digital gold, because <laughs> gold's hard to move from A to B. You can't, you gotta melt it down and resmelt resmelt it and, and stamp it with something to verify who owns it or whatever. It's an expensive process to move gold from one to another. Well, now because of the current state of Bitcoin. It's expensive to move Bitcoin from one person to another, and that's I think why the news is now picking up on all these other cryptocurrencies because it's cheaper to use those.
0: What drove up the the transaction costs? Just the, the just the the value of Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, who who dictated the tra- who dictates the transaction fees? I guess is the
1: we question. Do. The people using it. We dictate the transaction fees. The higher fees you pay, the more likely your transaction is going to get into a block quicker. If that So elaborate so like,
0: on, on getting into a block then. What, what yeah. does that mean, getting
1: into a block quicker? All right, so that's a good question. So what are these miners doing? They're trying to take a block and attach it to the blockchain. A block is just a group of transactions. So it would have my transaction in there. I don't know, maybe Melissa sends some money to you during the day. It'll have just... a or well, maybe I shouldn't have said your wife's name. I'll add that out. <laughs> 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 maybe right. your wife sends you some money uh during the day. You know, there's all sorts of people making transactions, right? And they get put into a block. Once a transaction is in a block, it is. I wanna say impossible because of the math says it's so, but you can't undo that block. It's there. There's no um Reversing transactions on the Bitcoin network. Once it's in the block, it's there. It happened. Right? And so you're 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 trying to get your transaction into a block. So you can say, boom, yeah, it happened. See? I paid Paul. It's in a block. Mm-hmm. It's on the it's on the blockchain. So all these transactions get stuck in what's called the memory pool. And they're they're just buying for space inside of a block. So the, what the public doesn't know is that like for the past three years, Bitcoin's been going through these growing pains on how we try to scale this network. There's a group of people that think that we should just make the blocks bigger, right? Right now, the blocks are only – they can only hold one megabyte worth of transactions, which is uh, – at this rate, it's about seven transactions per second, not a lot there's another group of people that think we should move up to like maybe eight megabyte blocks or something like that. Just to, just for more space for people to go in. So,
0: so let me stop you there. So when you say a block, so basically uh, the the miner, as I understand it, and I've talked to a guy that, you know, he says, I'm going to be, you know, Bitcoin miner, And so he's got all these supercomputers that he's basically linking together. It's going to start running those algorithms, hopefully to, to, to to basically uh solve the the algorithm or get a number and get a bitcoin but but basically then he wants to sell it i guess and me being a consumer would want to buy that and that transaction is what you're saying goes into a a block and and once you get up to a megabyte of those so maybe seven of us or whatever size they are i don't know um then it becomes a block it's locked in it, it happened and if and then basically a second block now has to be created right to mm-hmm. for someone else or more people to be able to buy it and that happens like you said very quickly every 10 minutes or something is that is every, that, every ten minutes, that right
1: yep you're good every 10 okay. minutes a new block is added to the blockchain and the beauty of it is is that the new block there's a little piece of the block before it that becomes an input of the, of the block coming after it. Okay. Right? So all these blocks are tied together in a chain, which makes that security just astounding, right? Because if you're a bad actor and you want to change a transaction that happened like last week, well, good luck. Because a shit ton of blocks have been added to the blockchain to them. And you've got 10 minutes to have enough processing power to go all the way back in time to that block change that transaction and then broadcast a new chain to all the other computers with it. You've got a 10 minute window to do that. Right. So you're going to have to spend billions of dollars for just an opportunity to, to just change a transaction. Right. And let's say you do, you spend billions, tens of billions of dollars to hack the Bitcoin blockchain. And that all you're going to see is that one encrypted message sent some Bitcoin to another encrypted message. You don't get anything, right? So actually the incentive of the program, the incentive of the system is to just be a part of the system because you're actually going to be rewarded better for playing the game than trying to game the game.
0: I see. And, and I get it. You're you're elaborating on that from basically my question around how secure is this? And and because of how quickly those transactions happen and how quickly blocks are created and put into this blockchain, it, it makes it from at least from a, a dollar standpoint, very discouraging to to me or you, for instance, that, I, you know, I don't have a billion dollars to go and try to, you know, basically fuck with the, the process. So is that what you're kind of saying?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And these things are also broadcast to the network at the same time. So let's say a country does decide, yeah, we're going to smash Bitcoin. Then you would see all of this random processing pinging up on the network, trying to attack back to a certain block or attack. And you're like, what, what's going on? Why is someone even trying to do that? And they only have 10 minutes. And the only thing they would do is change maybe one transaction. That's about all they can do. And so it's like a, It's really not worth anyone's time, and that actually multiplies with every block that they're trying to get to, right? So if they're trying to go like 10 blocks deep, they're not spending tens of billions of dollars. They're spending trillions.
0: Mm. That last statement made me think of the movie Inception.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, it's fascinating, fascinating stuff, and I'm probably uh, not articulating it as best as possible, but – it um, when it, from a security standpoint, I don't think there's a network that's even that's even remotely as secure as the Bitcoin network. It's interesting. I it.
0: um, I, I, I guess you know the the big thing for me is is you know everybody thinks about um, you know FDIC you know being backed you know your money's in a bank and and you know if something happens then then you have that level of assurance if you if you will um and and I guess that's the fear if i had to assume and i'm not saying i am but fearful but i guess that's the fear at least of of a lot of the general public of of all of these cryptocurrencies is isn't that right
1: yeah and that's the danger in it right because if we're talking about digital cash and we're talking about digital gold and there's no law centered around what happens when you lose it then you lose it. And um, that's that's one of the biggest initiatives in the community is as more and more people like yourself um, are getting just remotely interested in this, how do we make it easier? And how do we make it less likely that someone's going to lose their money? So with Coinbase, they're insured. So if you are keeping your Bitcoin with their hosted wallet, um, then you're insured. If they do anything stupid or it gets jacked, then uh, you're going to get your money back. Um, if you have a wallet on your computer and you don't secure it well and somebody hacks into you and they find out the password to your wallet and they find out the encrypted message that you send things with um, and they somehow send the money out of your wallet, there's not a lot you could do. It's basically like having a wallet on the bar table and somebody picked it up and walked away with it. Mm. So,
0: and I've heard that in in some some limited research I've done that 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 you reference a wallet It's basically a digital wallet. Some, some is it actually a program? Like what it is. is it? Is it web based or is it actual an application?
1: It's an application that you download to your computer. And when you very if you do have a wallet on your computer, I call it a hot wallet because your computer is attached to the internet, and uh, there's only a certain level of Bitcoin that I'll leave in a hot wallet, uh, just because. I mean, man, hackers are savvy, you know i there's no telling how they do what they do, and to have a wallet on your desktop means that you should have a pretty high level of proficiency with like operating a wallet um but essentially, when it gets down to like I don't know how the inner workings of a wallet is, it's like a browser on the blockchain, and it's a collection of passwords. That only you have the initial private key to. So ah, we can roll this into a great conversation. So okay. with cryptocurrency, there's private keys and there's public keys. So unlike today's um I guess uh what are we gonna call it? Transaction network for value. Today we we go on a pool system, right? Like you hand your debit card to the waitress or waiter. And they go pull that money out of your account. Mm -hmm. Well, Bitcoin and crypto are push systems, which means with your private key, you push that money out onto the network. So as long as you have your private key and you can say with like a thousand percent certainty that you're the only person that's ever going to see it or know where it is, nobody ever can do anything with your crypto because you're the only person that can push it somewhere. So
0: and what is this key? Is it is it literally like like a like a serial key you get on the back of like a fucking a good question. CD or or you know, when you used to buy actual hard copy of games and you get that serial key, you know, that you gotta enter in to get your version registered. Is is that what it is or
1: it's it's similar. It's an alphanumeric character and it's uh I don't know how many characters long now. I think it's like twenty four characters long or or something like that. Um Hold on, let me see if I can count real quick. This hold up, this, this might not take as much time as I think it's going to take. Let me look at... I got an address here. Uh, Nope, I'm taking too long. It's a really long-ass alphanumeric <laughs> character. Though. Here's an example. It'll be like Z-U-B-5-V-F-Z-T-H-N-D-7-N-D-M-G. It's just totally random jargon. That's mm-hmm. your private key. And you take that private key... And you store it so only you know where it's stored. And then you maybe even put a password on that to get to access to that private key, right? But that private key is like the key to your money. So just like with any other uh, layers of money, if it's like a checking account and you only got a 100 bucks in there, then, yeah, maybe you can be a little lazy with what you do with your private key. It's not its not like hanging out on the internet anywhere, by the way. It's on sure, your sure. computer. Um, sure. But, you know. But if you got 100000 worth in Bitcoin, you might want to make damn sure that you're the only person and only person ever that knows where that private key is. So now a public key is what you give people to send money to your address, like to your wallet. So you have your private key, you can push money out, and your public key... Is what you give people to send money to you. So it's like your email address. Or your account number. Yep, or your account number. In fact, there's this awesome one name.io, awesome company, which was taking your public address and turning it into like a URL. So I actually have one. I have uh, Fergalati.io, uh, sorry, Fergalati.bit, and I could just send that to people, and that's my Bitcoin address, like anywhere on the planet. If anyone needed to pay me Bitcoin, I could sell them. Hey, Fergalotti.bit, Bit, and it will go straight into to my wallet. So, mm. okay. So, there's all kinds of places tech can go. You know, if you think about the concept of a programmable money, then really the sky is the limit. But I got you. Um.
0: Well, so so the other thing that comes to mind is you know, especially with like Bitcoin, you mentioned, how many was it? 80, 80 was it 80 billion Bitcoin? 21 million, 21 million Bitcoin. 20, 21 million Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, this one, I forget the guy's name, um, basically created this, this, this concept. What's to keep him from just like flooding the fucking market with, with a whole bunch of Bitcoin and therefore decreasing its value? Just
1: putting a bunch of Bitcoin back in circulation. Huh? Honestly, the the honest answer is nothing. The realistic answer from what we've seen is that his coins haven't moved in eight years. So, and he doesn't have that many to make the market that flooded. So, um, I don't know what the ramifications would be. You know, that's one of the risks of it is that, like, what if all of a sudden this guy starts moving his tokens and people start flipping the fuck out? I don't think anything would well, yeah. happen because he doesn't have that many of them. So, how many does he have? I uh, say he's got like a million. A million? A million Bitcoin. I think, I think he's going to be the first trillionaire worth value, but no one knows who he is or, or what he's doing. And anytime those coins move, we would know because it's on the it's on the Bitcoin network. So, I gotcha. You can actually go to, uh, there's a cool website I like to show people called blockchain.info. And you can see transactions when they take place. You don't know who sent it to who, but you can see that a transaction took place. Some wallets people know. Satoshi Nakamoto's is a wallet people know. So they'll look, they'll just Google the wallet. I, I call it Googling, but it, you. it's called a blockchain explorer. You use the blockchain explorer. You go look for his wallet and you're like, holy shit there's outputs coming out of that thing. You send the money somewhere. Right? So there's that hasn't happened in 8 years. So there's no telling what would happen. Um
0: Can you see transactions to him or to people? Is it is yeah. it both ways? Okay. Sending if and you, receiving.
1: Only if you know their public addresses. I got you. Okay. Right. If I, for some reason, were like, hey, Paul, here's my public address, you could go to a blockchain explorer, and you could see all the inputs and outputs that came from it and the final balance. So how do you how do you
0: turn – and I know we could get into a completely different other conversation about Ethereum, but but how do you turn Bitcoin into cash? Is it through CoinPurse? Is that what it's called?
1: Uh, so if you do want to turn Bitcoin into dollars, yeah, and, and there's several exchange – excuse me. In the states, we've got a couple exchanges that can do so. Uh, Coinbase is one of them. You link your bank account to it, and you hit sell, and it's in your bank account that day. Um, that's literally how quick it is. Like I could sell some Bitcoin tonight, and it'll be in my account by like tomorrow afternoon. Hmm. Um, so, really, holding shimmy. onto
0: it now is kinda like kind of like. Holding on to, like you said, an investment in gold or, or a stock. It's it's you know, if you want to hold on to it, the value could go up, excellent. Uh, it could completely disappear tomorrow, I guess, is one risk, or you could cash it out.
1: Pretty much. I don't think I think the likelihood of it disappearing now is zero percent. Now I just think how is the world going to adapt with this onset of a new asset to play with? Well,
0: it's, um, it's plural, though. It's assets like that. And that's the thing that I, yeah. is probably the most confusing part for me is, you know, obviously right now at a federal level, each country recognizes each respective currency, uh, you know, to some degree. and And this is one that's kind of new and you have the ability or I don't know, maybe some really smart programmer people have the ability to create one maybe not for for the sake of saying overnight but basically creating one out of thin air because we went from bitcoin to litecoin now to ethereum i mean like how how is that dynamic going to change over time and and is i mean at some point we're we just gonna have to lock mm-hmm. into one we're gonna recognize bitcoin as an economy for cryptocurrency <laughs> or are we always just gonna have this multitude of different currencies
1: you know i think that's an interesting question man that's a deep question i think right now what we're seeing is a little bit of a mania you know if i can make D coin and you can make paul coin and then the next day we're millionaires that's stupid right like that doesn't make any sense well but and that's what's w- kind of
0: happened if you think i mean like i just saw the other day like you even put it on facebook that ethereum hit a, over over a thousand bucks right yep and everybody said it wasn't gonna fucking happen and and now it did and you got bitcoin that's what is that? Is
1: what is it over twelve thousand now? Is it something like that? Mm-hmm. Right, about fourteen thousand. Yeah. So 14. the thing about these is that with these, they're they're decentralized. So with Ether and Litecoin and Bitcoin, actually we, we call them the majors. No country like built that. No no country's issuing that. It's just a global demand for this thing. Right. Mm-hmm. These some of these other tokens that are sparking up are, like, com- like companies are using uh, the contracting language of Ethereum to start their own little token to raise funds for development of their idea, quote unquote, idea that they have. Right. That's a little bit different situation. So what they
0: they do life, is – Like for like investment basically is that what what it's for It's like investing in like R and D,
1: if you will. It. The way I can put it and the way I'm uh, making sense of it is that it is a way to f- fund open source development. Okay. And that's that's what it's being used as. The good people are using it as that. There's some great companies in this uh, crypto sphere. you can call it, like Bat, uh, Status Network. There's these great companies now. I don't even know if you can call them a company because – you can't really call them a company. It's like an open source development of these protocols that are running on the Ethereum network. But there's also really shady actors. Like there's – I saw something uh, last week. It was called like Tron Token where it's just this random dude made this token on the Ether network. And people are like pouring into it. And there's no – there's no, he hasn't even built anything. Like he's got a white paper. And that's it, you know. So there's a, there's a mania behind a lot of this now. And yes, I think there's going to be a reckoning at some point. I think that a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money, and there's going to be some strong, strong projects and cryptocurrencies left that have good core principles and aren't trying to take people for their money. You know? Yeah. So,
0: well, and that, that doesn't surprise me, I guess. I mean, that you get something new like this and people are going to take advantage of basically, you know, the ignorance of of people that don't understand what they're buying.
1: Absolutely. And that's what's happening now, and that's what on our shows and on Twitter and as much as in our Slack and on our community, we try as much as possible to say like, "Hey guys, like don't buy fuck token." Yes, Paul. Fuck coin is a thing <laughs> You can give fucks to someone What? It's Yes, it's kidding? very funny It's a thing and it right. has value You can give Makes a fuck to someone And that is stupid And I look at people and I'm like If you're going to put money and effort into that Then I don't know what to tell you Like I can't tell you what to do with your time and your money And if you want to waste it on fuck coin Then, then go for it By all means So a lot of these, um, so a lot of these tokens have utilities. For instance, uh, let's talk about let's talk about a token as an example. So the the ether the ether token its utility is to use the supercomputer. You can't access the supercomputer. You can't access decentralized storage and decentralized computation without a ether token.
0: And one token gives you access, or do you have to
1: have a, a, a one an token minimum number? One token gives you access. And token okay. gives you a lot of access, actually. So, because um, it's divisible as well, just like Bitcoin. Um, There's one question you asked me I don't think I answered. Oh, the question you asked me, uh, to spin it back to Bitcoin for just a sec, you asked um, what happens when all the Bitcoins bind. And then I went immediately into the fees. So, theoretically what was supposed to happen is that adoption of bitcoin was going to be a slow process it wasn't supposed to be like out of the blue bam bitcoin is 20 grand so the the new minted bitcoin was supposed to subsidize the miners efforts when all the bitcoin is mined then transactions alone because the entire globe is using bitcoin and you have billions of transactions a day paying transaction fees that would be enough to uh to subsidize the miners. So that's the end game. Is that when all the Bitcoin has been mined. Which is coming up real close. Uh, like 2025. It will be the theoretical max. Now. Technically. Because it only halves. You're never going to get to 21 million. Right. Like it. That's. Uh, sorry. I don't think I explained that to you. So every four years. The amount of Bitcoin that enters circulations. Gets cut in half. Right. So it started at 50, and then it went down to 25. Two years ago, it dropped down to 12.5. Two years from now, it's going to drop down to 6.25 Bitcoin every 10 minutes. Four years from then, it's going to be what, let's have a a 6.2, 3.125 Bitcoin every 10 minutes. I gotcha. So it kind of implies that it's a deflationary currency. If it is to maintain value, that value actually has to increase over time.
0: Well, it absolutely would because the likelihood success of getting it is being halved every four years. It's it's like a uh, what was it, like carbon dating or or um, what was what's the word I'm thinking of? Decay. Um, yeah, decay. Hey, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was. Thinking. Basically, it's like decay because it's becoming more and more rare because you you
1: basically are losing it every four, you said every four it halves every four years. Yeah. Yeah, every four years it halves, and so it's technically, if you want to get down to the math technicals of it, you'll never get twenty one million Bitcoin. You'll get like twenty million nine hundred ninety nine thousand hundred point nine 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 nine. Like that'll just keep happening.
0: Now, now is that twenty one including the million that that the creator has in his pocket? mm -hmm. Okay. Because that's the other piece of it. So you'd only ever be able to get to to 20 if he's holding a million, right?
1: Okay. Or close to it. Or real close to it. We'll say practically close, practically equal. So once all the Bitcoins are mined, the miners are then subsidized by transaction fees. And the end game is that upon a successful Bitcoin, there would be so many people using it. That the fees will be more than enough for the miners to eat. Hell, they're so what's, the, what's well, to stop right?
0: you from becoming a miner?
1: Nothing. You got a couple. You got a couple of milli? A couple of what? You got a couple million USD to buy a mining farm. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, let, let me go get it out of my fucking pocket over here.
1: <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> With Bitcoin, yes, it's that serious now. It's mining Bitcoin is a big boys' game. Which is why you see companies like Kodak, random as fuck, last week are saying they're going to start selling Bitcoin miners because they've built miners and they're going to start selling them to people. And I'm like, what? It's only really? in 2018.
0: Yeah. Like Kodak, Kodak. Like, with a K? Kodak with a K. Oh, wow. So they just, like, they just like saw the opportunity.
1: We're going to build these big supercomputers and now we're going to put them on the market and sell them to people. Yeah, so they're mining and they're also selling a thing called cloud mining, which is like, hey, if you pay me, you get a percentage of whatever this miner produces. It's no different than like owning a piece of a uh like a gold mine, like a gold mine. Like if a company is mining gold and you own shares of that company then you get
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah.
1: But in this also, case though, I, is
0: is that actually what they're selling though? Is 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 like a share of of the, the the mining, or are they sharing? Are they like leasing you the opportunity to utilize their
1: their miner? It's more the latter. Okay. It's more okay. The
0: latter. So it, it's still in your your wheelhouse, I guess, to actually do it. You're just
1: le- you're basically like renting a piece of equipment from them. Yeah, that's that's essentially what's happening. I wouldn't do it, but some people may. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to make money off of it. That's not for... I don't really care about it. But I'm just saying, like, mining is a tough game to get into now if you don't have... Like, if I like the analogy. Like, the first, somebody was picking away at gold with, like... A, and somebody created the pickaxe. And they were like, oh, this is great. And then somebody created, like, some sort of super fancy pickaxe that was streamlined for optimal swinging. And the metal was... The perfect weight for the... Op- you know what I'm saying? Like, it just... People keep getting better and better. Improving the tool. Improving the tool. That's that's yeah. what miners have been doing. Now, there are other... There are other currencies you can mine. Hell, you can even mine Ether if you have enough video cards. I don't know if you're, you're still gaming like we were back in the day, but video cards have gotten pretty expensive nowadays. And I'll give you one guess as to why. Uh, that is <laughs> Cryptocurrency. So as it turns out GPUs are really really good at mining cryptocurrency especially ether. So um crypto uh sorry gaming uh community but your graphic cards are like twice the price they should be and that's going to be the new normal as long as people are mining cryptocurrency and making a lot of money. So what well, you said to
0: get a set up in the bitcoin is is pretty far-fetched at this point and i guess it's just because the massive amount of 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 infrastructure i guess you'd have to have is that the same for even ether or litecoin whatever the hell the difference really would be and and is and is how you mine it different in terms of you said video card versus the other ones being more you have a okay
1: so with bitcoin um Bitcoin was originally mined with CPUs and then eventually this company or guy, I can't remember if it's company or guy, made something called an ASIC, which is called, hold up, this is my knowledge test. I think it's called Action Specific Integrated Chip and its only job, as to where CPU does many jobs, it runs Microsoft Word and Excel at the same time for you. You can surf on the internet and... Do all kinds of – you can play a game and talk on the phone. CPUs are designed to do all kinds of things. But an ASIC is designed to do one thing, and that is hyper-guessing numbers to try and mine Bitcoin. Okay. So it's physically designed to mine Bitcoin. So somebody made ASICs, and ASICs have gotten better and better and better. They even have like a, a system they go by. I think they call it like nano – nano – 8 is the latest series. They started at Nano 1, they're on Nano 8, and they just keep getting better and better and better. And Litecoin was like, well, we're gonna we're gonna use some like a scripting algorithm and we're gonna mine with the GPU, and it's ASIC resistant. Well, guess what? Some really fucking smart electrical engineer created ASICs for Litecoin too. The only <laughs> Coin that is ASIC resistant right now of the majors is Ethereum, is Ether. Ether is ASIC resistant. So if you got like, I don't know, twenty grand, twenty grand laying around, and you want to buy a bunch of video cards and string them up in your uh, house somewhere, they'll be a nice heater in the winter time. So you can have your electricity bill be super duper high, and you're mining Ether, and hopefully you know they balance out. Hopefully you're mining more Ether then you are paying in the electricity for having 20, 20 grand in video cards running at the same time <laughs> at 100%. So so to give you an idea, I mined Litecoin with GPUs many, many moons ago, like five years ago. I had four um, RS, uh, it's a yellow video card, big Sapphire RS7 or something is what they were called. Four of these bad boys, and my electricity bill was like six hundred and fifty dollars a month. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, really? I was making some Litecoin, but it wasn't six hundred and fifty dollars worth of Litecoin. I'll tell you <laughs> that much. So I had to stop mining. <laughs> that was that was my like okay. I obviously don't have the uh, the mining rig capable of making money, so I'm just gonna get out of this game. Yeah, but um,
0: yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting to because I, I, I was talking to a client like not even maybe, maybe a couple months ago and he was like, yeah, we're going to me and three of my buddies or whatever, we, we're we've saved our money and we're investing and we're going to we're going to do some mining. And, and it was it was a Bitcoin. And now hearing you say like that investment now is is just close to a million bucks or whatnot. I I Either doubt him entirely, or he completely underestimated what the expectation might or the requirement may be to be able to do it. And like you said, if you're not making, if you're not mining enough Bitcoin to be able to sell it, that outweighs the actual in, initial, you know, capital investment plus your your call your maintenance costs for 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 running all those cards or GPUs or CPUs for for um,
1: for the electricity bill. Then it doesn't make any sense. Nope. It doesn't. That's all you're really trying to do is stake your electricity bill and hope that you make enough cryptocurrency that you can pay your electricity bill and have some left over. Mm. That's mining. So um, now, ether Ether is ASIC resistant, which means that you have a pretty good chance of you know making good money by mining ether. Um, you do so. Is that done through video cards? That's done through video cards. Yeah.
0: Okay. Just a different script they're running, I
1: guess. Yeah. You should do an experiment after we're done with this, and look at the stock price of uh, AMD <laughs> and see what it's done because of a cryptocurrency.
0: I was just—is it just like skyrocketed?
1: It's—it's done—it's done pretty well the last <laughs> couple of years. So, um. <laughs> Let's see. Did I miss any other questions? Um, Oh, there's one thing you you probably care about. So an interesting thing is that you may have asked yourself, like, how is it every 10 minutes? Um, Well, part of the algorithm for Bitcoin um, is that uh, there's this thing called difficulty. The more computers that are mining, the larger the network gets, the more difficult it becomes to mine Bitcoin, which makes it always every 10 minutes on average. There's some blocks that sneak through. There's like sometimes you have like a 25-minute block, and you're like, damn, that one took a that's a lot of guesses. That was a lot of uh computation just to get that one block. But on average, it's actually just a little bit under 10 minutes. It's like nine and a half minutes. Um
0: you can actually down. see that that progress.
1: Yeah, you can actually. Hold on. Let me. If you're following me on your computer, you can go to BitcoinWisdom.com. This is Bitcoin what? Bitcoinwisdom.com. It's a really old website now. One that I would use when I tried mining. And uh, if you look at the top right, you'll see the difficulty uh, metric. Right now, it looks like it's at, what is that, 1.5 trillion? The next, and the hash the, rate is 8 trillion you- hash. Which one are you referring to? Is the difficulty? Yeah, the the difficulty stamp. On a, if you look at the very top right on BitcoinWisdom.com. Oh, oh, oh! The top right. Sorry, yeah. I thought you said top left. Oh, yep, yeah, I see it. So, if you put your cursor over where it says mining with the down arrow, mm-hmm. and go to the Bitcoin difficulty chart. Okay. Yep. You could see how the see hash last rate. two months. Yeah. So, hash is akin to a um, flop, like a floating operating point. It's akin to it. It's not the same thing, but it's akin to it. Um, so, you could see the difficulties there, all kinds of fun metrics there. You could see. Well, the, yeah,
0: they got like one block was 13.7 minutes, three blocks was 41 minutes, six blocks, 1.4 hours. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Um,
1: now, this I knew nothing about. So. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of goodies to this. A lot, a lot of goodies to this. <laughs> Cryptocurrency has layers. I tell people, like, once you fall in the rabbit hole, make sure that everything in your life is great. Because if you really fall down the rabbit hole, you might lose some sleep. So, <laughs> well, well, shit, you even show me this fucking website and I see we have Bitcoin, Litecoin, and whatever the fuck Altcoin is altcoin that might be a new one because really oh altcoins are um so this is old old ass website so bitcoin is a thing like a thing and originally anything that wasn't those we called an altcoin altcoin oh, okay and there's I like this is where like it's the, into the culture like it would be like fuck altcoins they're useless just use bitcoin blah 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 you know there's human factors like that whatever but as you can see there's a lot more altcoins than just these eight there's listed if you go to a another website called coinmarketcap.com you'll get a much bigger picture of how many tokens are out there now
0: so i see yep bitcoin ethereum ripple well see and that goes back to my previous point though it's like i mean i would think you know, and this is purely speculation, but I mean, let me see. Uh, I didn't even go, just this one list has 100 on them. And mm-hmm. I guess I could hit view all and see how many fucking are on this list. But I mean, is one of these, I would think, is is it feasible? Is it feasible? I mean, and this is a hypothetical question, I guess, that you probably can't answer. But is it even feasible for all of these to survive? No. The, the freaking list, as I go to the ground, there's 1,429 of
1: them. No, I say no. I say a lot of them won't survive. But I do say that something new is being created, and it, that's just called a crypto asset, which is a digitally unique thing that has a digitally unique utility that rides along a network. So, one of the mind-boggling things, you remember my roommate, Petty. Do I? You remember my roommate, Petty, right? Short, red-headed Irish guy. Yeah, yep. Um, One of the mind-boggling things that he made clear to me is that before Bitcoin existed, there was no such thing as digital uniqueness. I could send you a photo, and I had a copy of that photo. But with Bitcoin, if I send you Bitcoin, those are the only ones and zeros on the planet that exist like that, and you have them. Hmm. They can't be copied. They can't be counterfeit. They're, They're digitally unique. Digital uniqueness is a phenomenal thing to think about, right? Imagine if you could put an in-how when you upload it to the internet. So if somebody tries to bite your shit, you can say, that's not that's not mine. And they say, well, prove it. And you say, well, here's the digital signature for my shit. And if that has my digital signature, then it's mine. But it doesn't, because it can't, because it's physically impossible for it to have my digital signature. Right, right. So, so that's the new... That's the new toy humanity gets to play with now. Like holy shit, what do we do with digital uniqueness? We can do a lot of things. We can start tagging. Well, I think I,
0: Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I think I think that's an interesting, you know, perspective. Um and and I guess the other thing I find interesting is just, you know, looking at we got over a thousand of these on on this coin market cap. It it's almost like created a different, you know. Asset market from from an investment standpoint, you know, when you look at it from like the stock market standpoint, right, and and you got all these different companies out there, you got large cap, mid cap, small cap, you got international, you, you name it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, just looking at this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like, you know, we know not all these are going to survive, but it's almost like this currency is almost a like creation of a new, a new company, a new investment opportunity that, that you're taking a risk with. And and you can invest in it or you're not, and you can choose who may be the main players or not. But I, I just I guess what I wonder is, though, is I, with Bitcoin having really a head start on everybody else, you know, is is, is that going to be the, you know, the, this may be a bad comparison, but, you know, is that going to be the GE of the industry? You know, that they're just going to basically beat everybody out and they're going to be in a monopoly in this market.
1: Honestly, it's too early to tell and that would be yeah. a bet that you could make. Some people make that bet. We call them Bitcoin maximalists where they're like I'm only going to put my money in Bitcoin because there's no sense in using the others. I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist. Um I think the other ones have great use cases. Some of them, which is why I own some of them. Which is why I would I'm I I, I would use some of them. Like that's I'm going to use them. But it's a uh, I think that's the bet you're playing, but the fact that you can make that abstraction means that you can kind of see where this value, why this value is doing what it's doing, and getting poured into it. Because yes, essentially, the, one of the one of the priorities was like, yeah, let's just go ahead and see if we can rebuild the financial system. Let's see what we can. Let's see if we can do that. And although it's very early in the game, and it looks ugly <laughs> from an outsider looking in, it looks like at least. It's we're trying to do that, yes. So,
0: yeah, um, and and I guess to maybe even wrap some of this up is is I, I guess the next question that comes to my mind is and I, which is the most r- call it rumored or being discussed at least from what I can see, rather than being the media or you know on social media, um, is you know what what are the governments going to do about this? You know the, the you know the regulation piece of that, or the lack thereof. You know what, what's your take on that?
1: So I, you know that's a hard that's a hard pill to swallow. I think I think we'll see some of the more um overwatching and overbearish governments behaving the same way they always have. For instance, China uh moved to ban bitcoin uh last year and now it's looking as if they're going to force the miners out as well, which is only going to decentralize mining even more, so it's like thank you China. We appreciate that. We need a more robust network. Get those fuckers out of China. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, shit, like, thank you. Our hat's off to you. Um, there's it's, it's, there's no telling. I think that history is going to repeat itself from a technological standpoint. The U.S. tends to be a country that's a little bit laissez-faire when it comes to innovative technology. A lot of other countries staunched the internet. hell the uk totally thought the automobile was a piece of shit right yeah. you know so you know i think history is going to repeat itself there i think where history might not repeat itself is that china's a very tech tech advanced tech uh, what's the word i'm looking for technological technological country um and i think they they might try to make their own cryptocurrency and try to compete with in this market yeah, um, that's my. That'd be me if I put my Nostradamus cap on. Um, I I don't think countries are gonna put the total kibosh on cryptocurrency because it's way too oppressive. The more and more me's that get into cryptocurrency, the less chance they have. Like it was a really easy sell when they were like bitcoins for terrorists, but like. I'm not a terrorist. I was a fucking school teacher. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. you know, like, I pay my taxes. I pay the hell out of my taxes. Like, you can't make that claim. And if you try and call me that, you know, it's not going to make any sense. So sure, I think sure. that um, the longer the U.S. waits, the less it can do, honestly, because if they were going to put the kibosh on it, they would have done it a long time ago. And a lot of people think that it's not big enough for them to put the kibosh on it, but it's going to be the entire crypto market is going to be, it's approaching $1 trillion right now. So it's not, it's not tiny. You know, it's not, it's not $233 trillion of debt, which is what the, the planet has altogether. And it's not $19 trillion of debt like we have, but, it's not tiny, so um, that's a great question. You sound like you want to ask the good questions to come on our flagship show, get us thinking and having a good conversation. <laughs> well, um, I just you know I just think of
0: you know I, I look at it from like I told you before when we were just chatting you know via Facebook is I I see it as I'm looking at it from an investment standpoint right, and I'm also looking at it as how, what what impact. Is this going to have on our economy in the U.S.? What what impact is this going to have on the economy, in, basically all around the world? Um, you know, how, how, could this change the way that that we, you know, do transactions every day? You know, I mean, you think about our country and the way that we have really progressed very, very fast in a very short amount of time from a technology standpoint. I mean. I mean, shit, Mm -hmm. look at fucking cell phones, for instance. I mean, me and you growing up in school we didn't have fucking cell phones right and then and then you got those piece of shit like flip phones and then you got the razor right the badass razor <laughs> phone and then and then now look what we got we got we're holding computers in our hand walking around and to the point where we got fucking drones that'll follow you and take pictures of you you know based on where your phone's at i mean it's just so what is those are just things that come on my mind come to my mind when i think about okay is this something i want to invest in is is it something i could you know gain wealth off of but also as someone that has to live in this this you know, economy for many more years, hopefully. Um, what is it, what kind of impact is that gonna have? And what is our government gonna do, or or what is the other foreign com- you know, countries gonna do about it? So, you know, not those are all hypothetical, but that but that's why our, some of these questions come from is just kind of someone being new into it, call it being very, very unbiased. Um, because I don't have a tie one way or the other, I'm not sold on one way or the other. But those are just the things that come to my mind. D,
1: absolutely, um, they come to my mind all the time. I've been holding this stuff for a long time and doing the show, and and it's it's um, basically is a it's a it's a bet at this point. If governments let it exist, then it's going to be a very very interesting time we live in. If it if they don't. Then they they need to do that fast or they're going to experience monumental pushback. And we're starting to get close yeah. to that. Let me let me tell you why we say that. Because earlier this week, um, it was Wednesday, the market, $100 billion of USD left the crypto market. And it looked like a big crash was coming. And I was like, oh, damn, not again. And what happened was the Minister of Finance of South Korea misspoke. And he said, we're banning Bitcoin trading and cryptocurrency. It's not going to happen in South Korea. Not happening. Well, as it turns out, South Koreans didn't like that too much. And they petitioned the fuck out of it. And then he got back on TV and he was like, oh, my bad. Like, we're not banning it. We're just going to regulate the exchanges uh, so people can be safe, so the consumer can be safe. But then that pissed. South Koreans off even more. They were like, motherfucker, I just sold all that shit. And somebody else bought all my shit. So, like, the South Koreans right now are trying to oust their minister of finance for uh, market manipulation. Cryptocurrency market manipulation. Oh, shit. Because they sold their crypto and the value dropped. And then once he came back on TV and said, like, I didn't say that, like, I, I misspoke. Well, the price went back up and guess what? They're out all that crypto that they sold. So they're pissed. They're really pissed. So that's what I'm saying like if governments want to get rid of it, I think uh they're running out of time. So I think they might just want to see how the game works and see how they can play it. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, that's
0: fair. That's fair.
1: That's my that's my bet. But um I don't know. If you got any more questions that I didn't get to like maybe we could do a round two. This was pretty cool. I love doing this series on my network because I get to have just a chill conversation. So cool.
0: Yeah. No, i will be down. I appreciate the the time and and effort, man. It's been good catching up with you too. We'll have to definitely do that as well next time you're you're in Houston when you go grab a beer, or something, man. So Hell yeah.
1: I like dark beer now.
0: Like do you? I like I, my I'm. Ladies. I I'll, I'll, I'll I drink them all but sours. I'm I'm not drinking fucking sours. So I, Fuck I'm a, a big. I'm, yeah, I'm a big IPA fan though, so I'll do the IPAs. I'll do, you know, your borders and stouts as well. So we can go, we can
1: go drink some <laughs> beer somewhere. So you, do me a favor, man. So can you say sure. uh, play the outro? Huh? Can you say <laughs> what? Can you say? Can you say play the outro? D.
0: Play the outro. mm <music>